Hi, all. You are tuned in to an episode of Candid with Lubna Farhan. And today, our special guest is Miss Bisham Bardas. She is Britain's first Asian plus size model, a lawyer, actor, and founder of Girl Like Me Online. Bishambar, welcome to my show. Hi, Lubna. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm really happy that you're here. Um, can you tell us a bit about your journey for the people who don't know you yet? Okay, so um, I'm predominantly known for being in the public eye, uh, for being Britain's first Asian plus size model. Um, so I've been uh, doing modeling for about six years now. Um, when I first started off, I was the only uh, South Asian woman who basically represented uh, plus size women um, on a mainstream level. Fantastic. So how, so you were a lawyer before? So basically, I've gone to university, uh, studied uh, law. Um, apart from that, um, I practice my role through uh, being one of the first youngest Asian female magistrates in the whole of the country. Um, so I'm doing that. Um, but otherwise, I work in the field of child protection um, and obviously still do my career um, sort of in the public eye as well through my modelling. So how do you manage all these things together? So you're doing quite a lot. Are you still practicing law? I, I am. So basically, I, I'm doing all of everything together life is very jam-packed but um, yeah. I get asked this question quite regularly and one thing that I say is that I'm the type of individual if I don't feel passionate about something I can't do it yeah. um, so because the passion's there I've been doing it for all these years and it's not something that I struggle with yeah can I so um you're single at the moment single ready to mingle <laughs> single ready to mingle you hear that guys um so obviously you're doing quite a lot how do you think you do you think you'll be able to manage when you have a family with kids um i sometimes think about it i probably recognize that um obviously family would start to take more priority than other things in life um yeah. i'm not there yet so i don't yeah. worry about it <laughs> okay fantastic great so um one of the things that i was drawn to obviously i follow you on instagram um is that you seem quite active in in raising awareness in terms of um domestic abuse sexual abuse and maybe female rights mm -hmm. um how did you become passionate about this obviously we've all had different experiences some people have experienced this firsthand mm -hmm. um how did you become so passionate about this because you're quite you're quite regular in terms of it's not like a one-off it's like you're very passionate about raising awareness so how yeah. did you get into it See, Lubna, the thing with me is, um, you know, like you said, we, we've some people have lived experiences and I certainly haven't. It's no secret and I very openly talk about it. So growing up as a child, I grew up in a household where domestic violence uh, was very evident, um, you know, for years and years. Literally, that's all I remember of my childhood. So, you know, my father was an alcoholic, regularly would, you know, physically abuse my mom, got to a point where he started to then physically abuse the children. Um, so I've lived that. I know the traumas that are associated with that I know the shame that's associated with that um you know and I I know what it feels like to try and heal yourself from that and the everlasting effects that it has on you so you know I've I've lived that journey through through domestic abuse um and I've always been passionate it's always lit a fire within me and it makes me that's why I've gone into the field that I have that's why you know um, I am in the field of law yeah. that's why I work in the field of child protection mm. you know maybe when I felt like I needed the authorities the most um nobody was there to protect me um, yeah. so that's why I kind of heal myself through working with other people and seeing them heal if yeah. that sounds you know probably so common to a lot of people um who have gone through a similar experience so that's the reason why 
I'm not scared to raise my voice. Yeah. So may I ask, obviously, and only talk about the things that you feel comfortable with. Um, was it only domestic abuse or was there any other type of abuse? No, it was only domestic abuse, thank God. And, you know, as if it's not bad enough. Um, so, you know, there's, it, it was horrible, like, you know, being a small child and, you know, hiding and just watching and witnessing everything that you have and knowing that you can't do anything or yeah. even getting to an age where, you know, you could easily talk to your class teacher, for example, um, but everybody around me would miss the signs. And, you know, growing up, for example, I was always um, a very chubby child, yeah. but people didn't recognize why I was like that. And people mm. were always fast to body shame me, especially when I was a teenager, but no one yep. knew that actually that was an effect of all the abuse that I was witnessing. I was internalizing all my feelings and my only coping mechanism was to comfort eat yeah. and to abuse my relationship with food because it's not like I could start turning to drugs or alcohol yeah. to let off that release. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but it was, it's, you know, it was a nasty cycle. And then that led to sort of, you know, body shaming and so on, which is a yeah. disgusting thing that happens in our community. Can um, I ask, so is it, how many, how many siblings are you? So, what, um, so, so yeah, I'm the oldest of four. Um, okay. So, yeah. Even more, I felt that pressure because yeah. I'm the oldest, Yeah. And, you know, and I've got to, you took the brunt of it probably then because you're the oldest. 100%, like literally, there's so many things that I would remember where probably my siblings wouldn't remember so much because they were much younger. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of took on that that role where not only did I want to protect my mum, but then I also wanted to protect them too. And then you're a female. Yeah. So, you know, it's a lot. Can I ask how, what happened? Did you, are your parents still together? Have they separated? Um, no, they haven't separated. So my dad passed away about 11 years ago. Okay. And one thing that I would definitely sort of say when it comes to, you know, women in South Asian culture is that, you know, no matter what happens, it's ingrained in them to carry on yeah. keep that household together, keep that relationship together. And the only thing that teared my parents apart was death in the end, mm. regardless of, you know, what my dad did. I mean, they were, it, it's so complicated. It's not easy as, you know, someone's abused you walk away, yeah. you know, it, somebody who's your father they're abusing you you know um you recognize it when you get to an age that it's not okay but at the same time you can't walk away because it's your dad and you've had so many amazing times too um can i ask so what um obviously so your father thanks for sharing that with us it was obviously you, you mentioned he was an alcoholic what was the root cause of his aggression was it was he abusive without drinking alcohol was it the alcohol was it something else was it was it that's the way he's been brought up or no, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, for example, I belong to a Punjabi household and I don't know why certain Punjabis feel so much, um, that they're so proud of the fact that, you know, alcohol is part of our culture, though it's not part of our religion. Um, you know, and they will be like, men would sit together and they would drink, um, you know, and it's something that he was obviously exposed to from a very young age. And it was a sign of his masculinity and for him to show that he was a man and sitting with his brothers and doing all of that. Um, you know, and it, it's practically every other story of every household in Punjab right now in India, where, you know, that's, that's what they do. That's what they're taught to do. Um, so that's sort of his growing up and what he was exposed to. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like basically two people in, in one body when you're not drinking, you know, you're amazing. Like he stopped drinking for about six, seven years, I remember, and he didn't touch a drop and we didn't have any issues. And then all yeah. of a sudden he started drinking again when, you know, for example, his brother passed away, it triggered him. Um, and then it was back to hell again. So it's so hard to yeah. want to walk away from somebody who's also so violent, but then also the nicest person ever as well. So he was violent only when he was drinking Basically, alcohol, yeah. which was more for social kind of reasons. 
Yeah, um, which he turned into an alcoholic, and then it was just every day waking up in the morning, drinking day, night, and and just sleeping. Oh, did anyone know about this? So, um, like any family members, did anyone else know? Was it that is what was happening in the house? Only you guys knew, and then for the, the face for the world, no one re really knew what was happening in your in your household. I think um, now looking back at, back at it, I'll be really deluded if I believed that <clears throat> nobody knew about it. I remember my mum putting on makeup on her face. You know, there's one memory that actually I'll share with you that I would never forget. So it was my youngest brother's birthday party and he turned one. And because he was the first son in the family, um, you know, my dad was over the moon. My mum was finally happy that there's a boy in the house now. And um, they decided to have like a massive family function. And I'm talking about 400 guests. So they literally yeah. got a haul out and everything. And just before the party started, before we left the house, my paternal grandparents were present. Um, they don't live in this country. Um, so it's not like they've been a big part of my life, but they were there at the time. And some argument broke out between my parents and my dad punched my mum straight in the face, caused a massive black eye there and then. And my mum went out into that party in front of 400 people and lied to every single person as she fell down the stairs. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's why I genuinely can't believe that nobody would have known what's happening in that household. My own paternal grandparents knew about it. My maternal, maternal grandparents knew about it. Um, is, but, it, is there like a feeling in Asian generally speaking it's not obviously everyone that it's okay that okay he's your husband so it's okay so that's why no one really said anything because they think oh she must have done something that's why i mean personally me i don't remember anyone blaming my mum for it okay i remember obviously that my dad would blame her for a start um but you know especially now that I've grown up because there's been a, a big gap in my life where since my, my dad's passed away and even a little bit closer before his death where he slowed down so much because obviously we're older now we can't do them things because we challenge him mm. um you know there's been a, a long period where there's been no violence but now recently more so because you know like you said on social media I've been very active talking about domestic violence so something in particular has triggered me again quite recently um why I, that's why I feel that if I've been given some sort of platform you know then it's my duty to speak about something that a that i'm passionate about and b you know teach other people to recognize the signs yeah. and um when this particular incident started happening on social media and i started talking about it i'm kid you not lubna 98 percent of the population in punjab because that's the, the target audience that i was targeting because the incident happened there 98 percent of people were giving me so much hate and just saying to me that i'm a home wrecker for basically supporting a victim of domestic abuse hmm. they kept saying to me that is cardigal meaning that it's a matter of the house it should be dealt with within the family and i was so shocked to understand and recognize that still in 2020 hmm. this is people's response to domestic abuse people kept saying hmm. it's cardigal they should sort it out amongst themselves and they kept basically gaslighting in terms of putting pictures of the same couple all over social media and saying people who don't even know this couple mm. personally yeah. and saying Bobby G should go back to XYZ. Mm. So basically you're saying that regardless of the disclosure the victim has made, yeah. the victim should go back to its abuser. So yeah. no one's willing to recognize what the issue is, yeah. but people basically are always fast to say and judge, oh no, no, go back to your own setting and deal with it within your house. Why do you think people do that? Is it, is it women? Is it men? Is it everyone? 
Um, is it the I younger generation? Is it the who is it? Oh what? my god, it's definitely the younger generation. Younger it's generation. A hundred percent. I wasn't talking to the Surprise. older generation. I was talking to your average Joe who lives in a friend with a mobile phone who feels that he can air his opinion because he's got the right to do so. So these are a young generation uh, you know, people. I was shocked to see there was females in that as well, even though majority of them were males with them thought uh, with them comments. The thing is, it's learned behavior, isn't it? Because mm. no one challenges them or teaches them any different, they feel that that is the only way because that's all they know. And that's why it's so important that we talk about the things that we talk about. Yeah. Um, it it's, it's all comes down to honor, I think, personally. I'm no expert in this. This is just my opinion. And I think it comes down to shame. Yeah. And all people kept saying, again, in Punjabi quoting, Aj meaning if it's happened to them tomorrow it can happen to you too right well that's why you're doing this so it doesn't happen to you my point exactly but people don't want to recognize that people want to recognize that you know what is their family issue let them deal with it don't put this in front of thousands of millions of people on the internet because at the end of the day the rest of the people who are just sitting there watching they're just sitting there they're not you're actually educating people so they can be aware of their own actions Hmm. but they don't see it that way at all is a lack of education massively a lack of education Mm. that's all they learn is learnt behavior from generations is it maybe do you think that so they know you're based in uk is it is it also maybe the fact that they they think oh there's this modern uk girl and she's trying to change and she's trying to maybe you know like um spoil the girls in our punjab and you know but you know that mentality where they they think we're all western and we're all modern and and all of that kind of stuff generally so, you know, is one thing that I found, again, really interesting is so when this particular case, which uh, triggered me to say everything that I did, when I realized, um, you know, because everybody was watching it and I'm literally talking in their millions. Um, and when people were watching this, I kid you not, 99 percent of people who lived outside of India. So that's Canada, mm. America, whoever supporting from outside of India. Nobody once turned around and said that the victim should go back to his abuser. Yeah. That it's Everybody supported that this is about awareness. It was 98% of people only in India who said that this is what should happen. They should deal with it amongst themselves. Do you so know, it's I, a massive it's issue. Thing. It's about, do you know, right. I mean, I've gone. So if I speak from my own experience, I'm the youngest child of four mm-hmm. and my father, he has passed away a couple of years ago. Um, so I was very small when my parents divorced, but my father was, abusive like mm-hmm. physically abusive as well and my brother and sisters remember a lot of things i don't obviously because my parents got divorced when i was like i think three years old maybe like too small to remember anything mm-hmm. so i completely you know and my mother still has a mark on her forehead where my father threw a plate on her face and she got stitches and it was bleeding so and i and lots of stories you know so i can kind of relate in that sense that i've seen and I've, there's other things that i've seen that haven't happened directly to me but I've, I've, when i've gone pakistan i've seen uh, someone in the family physically abuse people in the house, women in the house. Um, and I'm talking about a really rich person who, who's an uncle um, and, and like physically abuse the maid, like punch, pounce on her, punch her until she's bleeding and bang her head on the floor and all of that kind of stuff when I was like six years old. So, and, and, and it's quite scary, especially for a six-year-old to see that. But I think over there in Pakistan, and this is like a general thing. Again, I'm not saying it's everyone in all Pakistan is listening. Obviously, there's lots of nice people in Pakistan too. But in terms of what I saw is that when a woman is, when I heard of a woman being slapped by a husband or something, then the men in the family would say, oh yeah, she must have done something. Mm-hmm. When we heard of a case um, of a girl getting raped, 
then I would hear my uncle say, oh yeah, she probably, you know, um, she probably asked for it kind of thing. You know, like she probably was attracting them or wearing these clothes or doing this and that. And for me, it was, I felt angry at the time listening to this kind of, but I think it's a general thing. I, I say general because I've met lots of nice Pakistanis as well in Pakistan. So I don't want anyone listening to this thinking it's all Pakistanis. It's just, I think no. it's just some people and it's lack of education but people think it's okay that uh, the girl must have done something so it's up to the girl to hide her body like for me if you look at my instagram there are many pictures that are posted where my legs are showing and i got lots of um like backlash in terms of that oh why are you showing your legs even recently a couple of days ago people like there's someone saying oh why have you oh, why are you opening your legs so wide on the red carpet and stuff like that kind of so why are you showing your legs and um you people are going to laugh at you blah 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 so i think there's this mentality that people think it's okay to physically verbally sexually whatever abuse a woman she must have done something she deserves it who is she kind of like they need to show her her place kind of thing i don't know where this all has started um but it's a shame do you know what i and and when i hear someone in uk talk like that as well it because i feel do you know what? I, I feel there's a lot of people like that what you call closet in the closet kind of thing who feel like that but because they're living in uk america canada they're not open about it but had they gone got the chance if they go back to pakistan india they'd be like that of course i've so i think how i mean how what can we do about this kind of thing it's good that we're raising awareness that you're raising awareness but is this enough i definitely think it's the start of a very long journey lubna i mean at the end of the day physically what else can we do it's not like we can go physically put our hands on someone and shake mm. them and say this is really wrong you know empowers people so much that they're empowered with facts that they're empowered you know with education that they can go and challenge other people in their households i mean ultimately yeah. if someone's going to you know have this mindset then they're going to have it regardless we, no matter what you do you can't change that but you know you know, like they say, for example, if you educate a woman, you're not just educating her, you're educating the generations to come. Yeah. I was going to say that, yeah. So yeah, as, as like mothers, like, is it actually we should really target educating the mothers, especially women in general, because they're the ones who mostly end up raising the children. So do you feel that maybe where a man, and I'm not, I'm not trying to blame all mothers whose, whose sons become abusive, but do you think the mother has a pivotal role to play in terms of the way she brings up her child, in terms of explaining that this is not okay? Um, because I think if, if the mother doesn't do that, or if the mother is actually someone who's saying, yeah, it's okay to hit your wife because, because I was beaten, that, that happens as well. I've heard that kind of, those kind of scenarios as well. I, so do you think that the mother has a really important role to play or has, a role to, has had a role to play when, when the son has been abusive? I mean, mother's definitely got a massive, massive role to play just as much as a father has as well. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, tell your child from a very young age, this is acceptable, this is not acceptable. We do this, we do not do this. Mm. You know. But the saddest part is so many mothers and fathers don't know that, you know, yeah. they, they've been taught things from, for generations. It's about, it's about time now that we come together, the ones who are aware and try and cut the cycle, try and break that cycle um, by educating people. Isn't it, isn't it 800 and domestic violence has happened for years and abuse has happened for, since the beginning of time, you yeah. know, it's, it's never just going to go away. Yeah. But the, the main thing is, I mean, now we're able to understand the signs. We're able to talk about it. You know, yeah. we're having this conversation on a podcast. That's amazing. Yeah. Yes. Um, so you don't know, even if you change one person's mindset, it's better than nothing. Yeah. So, so, so talking about obviously domestic abuse, you mentioned the body shaming and the side effects. So on your mental health mm -hmm. and um, that you ended up um, eating as mm -hmm. like a comfort food. Mm -hmm. So can you please talk about 
the whole body shaming and 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 how that made you feel what happened who said what kind of thing Mm -hmm. see one thing that I always um you know when I'm giving like interviews to like sort of western journalists and so on there's one thing that I always say it's bad enough being a plus size woman because a you're judged on just your body shape Mm. and people then associate your self-worth to that um it's then even worse it's like a double whammy then being a south asian woman because then I felt especially not so bad now but um when I was definitely growing up I felt like it was just me versus the community so again, I could give you another example. When I would go to my local Godwara to the temple, women who didn't even know me when I was a young teenager would come up to me and to my mom and would say, you know, like, Kuri Thuri Bosoni, she's got a very beautiful face, mm. but um, you know what? She, she's really fat. Yeah. Marry her. And imagine growing up as a child that A, you've got all the domestic abuse happening in the background. You can't talk to anybody about it. B, you're then recognizing that your body's changing so much. Yeah. See, you are then dealing with all the external pressures in terms of school and trying to fit in because obviously you're a South Asian kid and you've got all that going on too. You're not the same as your white friends. Mm. And then, you know, D, you've got to deal with all these unsolicited comments from flipping aunties who feel that they've got every right to come and tell you what they believe your self-worth is. And you're growing up knowing that, you know what, I'm not worthy of any man's love. I literally grew up believing that. I thought nobody's going to marry me. I actually thought that Mm. nobody would ever find me attractive. I'm not deserving of love. Should Mm. a 14-year-old child really be thinking that? Is that what we should be putting in our kids? Why do we not think about the things, you know, that are coming out of our mouth? Why do we not recognize actually how much damage? I mean, I'm 33 years old now, still not married, out Mm. of choice. But I'm not going to lie. Them experiences have put me where I am today. I'm not just going to settle for anybody now. Can I ask about, um, have you had, um, like, have you had like relationships? Yeah, so I have had relationships and I've really struggled in my relationships to the point where, where my dad was the abuser and he was the one who was dominant over my, my mum, for example, and the rest of the family. I, it's like, I took a, a vow from a very young age that I'm never going to ever let any man even have one percent of control over me so yeah. it's made me be the dominant female it's made it's basically the way i describe myself is that i'm a very strong-headed woman mm. with a very masculine energy yeah um, and a lot of men struggle with that yeah they don't want that they they're do. the ones who want to be felt as if you know they're the, the man they want to feel like they're manly um yeah. manly sorry and they don't like it when basically my masculine energy challenges theirs yeah um, so i've really struggled in relationships have they ever re- have they ever result like um ended up saying like any neg- negative body shaming comments oh they wouldn't like ever dare yeah because <laughs> <laughs> it's made me that strong that nobody would ever dare even n- like no older female has the guts now to even come up to me to say anything and when mm-hmm. they do it's just my witty ways of knowing how to challenge them that i bring shame onto them slightly because they should feel mm. that shame too why mm. should i feel shameful for how my body looks you mm. should be actually ashamed of saying what you're saying yeah um, and obviously i will never turn away from the fact that my parents have taught me to respect my elders i respect mm. them but there's a way of doing it and i make them recognize and realize that whether they change that behavior or not is a different story yeah but i shame them for that one second because they don't have the right to say that to me do you know what again i would say my own experience of like body shaming um so I was very, very, very skinny when I was young. I didn't really used to eat much. But then obviously all, all of a sudden I put on weight like when I was like 20, 21. Um, because I went to live in London and I was, I started cooking. I had nothing else to do. I didn't used to club or do anything like, like, like that. I used to do my internship, go to work, come home, 
to my room. Sorry, I was renting in London mm-hmm. and I just had to eat. There's nothing else to do. Cook, eat, eat, cook, eat. So I put on weight all of a sudden. And then I remember going America to stay with my relatives for like two months. Um, and where they were used to seeing me skinny, obviously all of a sudden I had put on weight now. And um, I am blessed with a nice physique, I would say, um, like Kardashian. <laughs> Not, not that much not that much but but basically but I was body shamed by them and they were they would make remarks like oh like am I like sexually active or something because I'm my body you know from the back is quite prudent mm-hmm. um, not prudent what's the word um I can't remember the word like it's quite obviously you can see yeah. um prominent sorry pro- I'm saying yeah. prudent prominent um so so for me it's like and I wasn't obviously I was like a bit like a good Muslim girl you know all of that kind of stuff didn't have any relationships or anything like that so for me and I could hear them talking about this like saying oh I'm from UK kind of thing you know I and I'm um and I must have done something or I must have boyfriends and I had one friend who was in a Hindu friend who was my best friend and he um took the number to, to call me in America obviously um and 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 then he called there's nothing to hide but they all look behaving as if I oh, don't let your uncles know that so he's called just talking the room alone so they're trying to make out like he's my boyfriend and acting as if and i'm like but there's nothing to hide like it's you can talk to him as well kind of thing like there's nothing to hide. so they made out there's something to hide and then when my uncle find out then they were trying to make out like it was me trying to hide this whole thing that i'm talking to him kind of thing but it, this whole idea i mean i've been body shamed like that and i've been body shamed so many times that i had really bad acne and even people in my family like my sisters would say oh pizza face and stuff like that and it really really knocks your confidence down you know, like, and I've been body shamed about so many millions of things, which is even ba- embarrassing to mention now, but just different parts of your body. Oh, this is sticking out or that's sticking out. or you don't have this and you've got that. And, and it really knocks your confidence, but especially the whole sexual thing, this whole accusation that you might, you must be sexually active. You must've been this or you're, you've been brought up in the UK. So I had a cousin who's from Pakistan who came in a, to America as well. And she was actually the one who was sexually active and who had, who actually had a boyfriend. Um, but then I was the one who's getting blamed and that her mother was also trying to make out like I'm this and that and her daughter is so good and she's from Pakistan. I'm like, but your daughter's telling me that she's sexually, the conversations that we're having alone, she's telling me that she's done this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, I haven't actually done anything. I haven't even kissed anyone yet. You know what I mean? So for me, it's funny how people, I would say also have this impression of someone, a modern girl in the UK and they think their own girls back in Pakistan India, wherever, that they're all, you know, they're wearing the shavakamis and they're all really good. And if you're in UK or America, uh, brought up like here, then you must be this modern girl who's doing all this dirty stuff or whatever. So for me, like I've had a, a fair share of body shaming as well, but it's, you know, it's this thing that people think they have the right to say whatever they want and yeah. it's okay. And, and there's two girls that I was speaking to last week about mental health and they were sharing their um, experiences as well. And they, a lot of them also said, yeah, a lot of their family and relatives close to them are the ones who started saying these things about your weight is this and that. So my cousin actually who came on the show last week, um, she mentioned that she got bulimia. So she started vomiting out her food to lose weight. Mm-hmm. And so this is a thing. So I think, where, is this like an Asian, South Asian thing? Like you, just this direct openness? Where does yeah. it start from? 
I definitely think it's a, a no I, I don't know I think it's a, an issue that a lot of communities have around the world I mean even if you look at sort of far east Asia right you know from my little understanding I, I think they do the same as well you know like mm. for example Chinese and Thai people or you know Filipino people they're, they're very small um you know in their body frame and and how they are and then when I came across one particular um plus size model who was uh, from a, a Filipino background you know she she looked just like I did and the stories that she was coming out as well of aunties coming up to her as well and sharing these unsolicited opinions so I do think it's a Middle Eastern Eastern part of the world issue um, as such Um, again down to education um, I think and that's how mindsets are going to change but it's really interested that interested that you made the point that you did so yesterday I was talking to my brother and I said why is it that when we see each other first time you know when you see a friend or whatever the first thing we say is oh you've put on weight or you you've lost weight that's the first thing we say instead of hi how are you i'm seeing you after 10 years how's everything been so it's it's just really weird that that's our mindset we're we're so obsessed with bodies yeah and it's going to go up and down all the time yeah and i guess do you know what? It, it's easy to say look as long as you're comfortable then um whatever your body image is you know but but if people are making you uncomfortable so you could be comfortable with your body image and then someone will come up to me even when i'm trying to like okay to control my diet because i've got like a sweet tooth and obviously I've, I've given birth to two kids. So I need to, I'm trying to never make sure like my belly's, I'm, work, I'm doing exercise, I'm trying to control my diet. But then someone would come up and say, oh no, you've lost too much weight, you're skinny now, you're not looking good. So all that effort that I've put in, and I'm like, mm-hmm. it takes effort to, to try to lose weight as well, you know, and, and I've got a sweet tooth. And I, so I, I put on quite a lot of weight two months ago. And I literally was finding it difficult. I couldn't even breathe going up the stairs kind of thing. So I was like, I'm really unfit, I need to do something. But when you put all this effort and then someone's, in a way, body shaming you again and saying you're too skinny, blah, 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 blah. And then you put on weight and someone's like, oh no, you're too fat. It's like, it's like people are never happy. They're always going to find something. So for me now, at this age, it's taken me so long though to realize that what actually matters is how I feel. As long as I feel good, I'm happy, then that's the only thing that matters. But people will always be there and, and, and say all these kind of things. And it just gets annoying and frustrating. But Definitely. when you're 14 15 and for the people listening who are probably this age and they're quite impressionable i think it's important to for them to hear that this has happened to us as well so we're well i'm 35 you're 33 this has happened to us as well and it can have an impact on your mental health so just try to be strong mm-hmm. and don't take in and kind of listen from one ear kind of take out the other or don't even listen because it's, it's not going to do you any good in terms of your confidence or anything yeah. And, and you're probably going to hear these remarks for a long time. It's just not worth it. It takes no. a long time to recover from this mentally. It took me mm-hmm. ages to like um, improve my confidence and self-esteem. Because each time I would talk to someone, I would think, oh my God, that's what they're thinking about me. That my, mm-hmm. my bum's sticking out. Um, yeah. Or, oh my God, or, okay, my bum's sticking out, but I don't have like a massive chest. To, yeah. like, you know what I mean? So, so I'm, in terms of proportions, yeah. So then that's all I would think about. So then I'll cover parts of my body, or you know what I mean? So just, it's the, that mental health impact that it has, it mm-hmm. takes years and years and years to recover. And you have to stay away from these negative people as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so we've spoken about domestic abuse, mental health. Okay, look, no, one thing which is really important yeah. that I think we should uh, touch upon as well. You know, yeah. sometimes people say like, I'm, you know, I love this person. And the only reason why I'm telling her that, you know, she should stop eating or he should stop eating is because I care about their health. Mm. You know, that's another common thing that people say, um, you know, and that's an argument a lot of people put forward as well when they are body shaming somebody. Um, the only thing I would say is if you ever want to bring change in any aspect of your life, how are you ever going to bring change when you're being shamed about something? 
Yeah. It's never going to happen, right? So it, it absolutely blows my mind. You have to stop and recognize, and you know, that am I shaming this person or what am I saying to them is constructive? Mm. Um, you know, and if it's not constructive, then of course that person's not going to be able to bring any change in whatever life in their lifestyle in any way that they are trying to. So okay. shame has never, ever you know, progress somebody is only ever drag someone backwards. Definitely. You need confidence in yourself to make any change. And it takes yeah. years of confidence building um, to like rebuild yourself, especially at an age when you're a teenager and you, you're confused as well about your body image and your parts will grow. You'll put on weight and lose weight. It'll go up and down all the time. But mm -hmm. to like maybe, maybe body shame someone about something that they can't really change much. I mean, your proportions are your proportions. You can't really do much about them really so and stuff like that I, I think it's not helpful so i would say um the asian community is progressing obviously yeah. with education however i think we do need to progress faster so we need to raise awareness which is what we're doing on this platform can we touch on maybe so we've spoken a lot about this you know domestic abuse and similar topics which are female related female rights mm -hmm. do you think that in the mindset of men in general, so this could be East and Western, is there equality or do gender, do you, how do you feel when you're meeting men or something, I don't know, through your business or being a lawyer, do you feel like, okay, you're a woman, so you have to be more, a bit more stronger. You have to speak up more. Do, do you, do you kind of, what's the word? Um, do you have to remind, is it obvious to you that you're a woman and they are men kind of thing? And you have to be stronger, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to be more, you know, speak up more. Or do you have that kind of feeling? Luckily, I've never actually been made to feel like I've got to show my presence more than the other person who's in the room as well. Yeah. Um, I've, I, I don't know, I think it's probably just how I am as a person. Like, I know that if I'm going to speak, the other person has no other option but to listen. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it does bother me that I'm a woman or not um so I personally have not feel that uh, felt that but I know that it does happen to a lot of people they have to um you know fight for that equality um but so you've so, towards, so you've never um, felt that because you're a woman you're not going to get heard kind of thing you make sure that you're heard I I definitely make sure that I'm heard um you know again I think that goes back down to sort of my experiences much earlier on where you know nobody wanted to listen now you've got no choice you've got to listen yeah and I'm the type of person that you know if I genuinely want to say something and I believe in what I'm going to say I'm going to say it mm. so I don't let somebody push my voice I don't let somebody put me to the side my opinion is just as important as yours yeah. um and I, I have every right to say what I want to say so would you say to women who are listening that maybe in a way forget that it doesn't matter that you're a man or a woman if you've got something to say basically say it you know don't think that you're a woman so you don't it's like a circle kind of thing isn't it that you when you the more you're thinking you're a woman and you have to speak up the more kind of you feel that you you kind of shrink within yourself because you think oh well, you know so is it just just it doesn't matter that you're a woman Speak I, I, don't, I don't even yeah I don't even think about my gender I don't sit here and think that oh I'm a woman or or he's a man I lit this something that very rarely crosses my mind um again down to my own personal experiences I know that if I'm going into a room and I've I need to make whatever point I need to it's just as important so for mm. example in my magistrate role you know very often I will be sitting with two of the male magistrates I've never made to feel that you know I'm a woman and only their opinion matters yeah if I believe in something I'm gonna say what I've got to say yeah. um you know you're no better than me regardless of your age or your sex yeah we're equal um and that's just the way I've always looked at it okay that's fantastic so um okay so 
the Black Lives Matter movement obviously is all around the world and um but obviously you being a female of colour mm-hmm. being brought up in this country, what has your experience been of racism? And when people talk about white privilege, do you think there is white privilege? So it's really interesting that you brought this topic up. Definitely support Black Lives Matter. Um, and I think it's absolutely about time that the movement um, took the momentum that it has. Um, very recently, um, okay, right. So basically back in 2016, I took part in a, a TV show called Come Dine With Me. And I was the only South Asian woman, <laughs> never again, by the way, probably one of the <laughs> weirdest experiences of my life. Yeah. Um, so I was the only South Asian woman um, part of a group of four, two males, one of the female. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is only two days ago, Channel 4, basically, um, there was an argument that took place at my house at my dinner table. Okay. <laughs> and I need to watch it then, don't I? <laughs> it's embarrassing now I look back at it. But uh, basically, Channel 4 have decided to take that little s- snippet and they just posted it on their Facebook page a couple of days ago saying um, how not to argue with a dinner host or something like that. Right. Okay. So there was an, another uh, male there, Caucasian male, and I'm literally having um, an argument with him. Now, the thing is with TV, obviously, there's so much that's been edited. There's so much that happens behind the scene and so on that you don't know. Right. So it's really interesting when I was going through the comments, everybody was calling me stuck up, snotty, etc. So I, like 90 percent of the comments, they were swearing at me, all sorts. Right. Really? OK. Yeah. So 90 percent of the comments are really negative. And what people didn't know hmm. is that. I was a third night in. So the four nights in total, I was a third night. So by this time, I'd got to know the group pretty well because you spent a lot of time with them. Um, And by the third night, when this particular male, he came to every other house with a bunch of flowers. You know, when you knock on the door, you go in, you give the host flowers. He came to my house and gave me a packet of poppadoms. He literally did that, right? Mm. Now, at the time, I knew straight away, that's racism. That's total racism, okay? Mm. So he threw me straight away at the beginning Mm. and I just thought to myself I've been okay with you I've not said anything to offend you over these days so far in the show Mm. why have you knocked at my door and been so disrespectful and just come with a packet of poppadoms would you have done that to the other Caucasian female or the other Caucasian male whose house you knocked on did you go and give them a can of baked beans you didn't do Mm. that did you so why Mm. have you come to my house giving me poppadoms what are you trying to say Mm. but still obviously kept my mouth shut played it cool something happened he started to irritate me um prior to from the the scene that you can see and then you see our argument and I just thought to myself look at all these people who are watching and Mm. in all these negative things that they are you know um they've got no idea what happened before that and then I really thought to myself should I make a comment on there and tell people what happened before Mm. and I just thought what's the point it's just going to invite more unsolicited comments and probably people are then going to start blaming me Mm. and saying oh look the person of colour is playing the race card. Yeah, that's the issue as well, yeah. When you yeah. do try to speak up, then you you can have this fear that people are just going to say, oh, she's playing the race card and it's not really racism kind of thing. Basically, um, where really, you know, that is racism. But then I just thought to myself, what's the point? And I just thought it's really, really sad that this is an experience that's happened to me. I've experienced subtle racism that's taken place Nobody, A, at the time when they were recording, wanted to call it out. They probably just found it funny. B, I was the only one who was made to feel uncomfortable. C, you've then, Channel 4 have taken this part and now they've put it onto their Facebook. And then, you know, D, when I want to now shout out and say, actually, this is what's happened. Hmm. I'm actually not scared. I can say whatever I want to, but I just think, is it really worth my energy? Because it's just going to, why am I trying to change people's mindsets when at the end of the day, they ain't going to change? 
What is your definition of racism? So I think with people, in my experience, what I've experienced is like, this is recent as well. Like a couple of weeks ago, I posted something on my LinkedIn where I said all the experiences of racism I've, I've had since I was a child. I was brought up on a council estate where everyone was white. We were the only Asian family. And um, we, there would be a pig's head put on our car. There would be fireworks put through a letterbox. Wow. We, there'd be eggs thrown at us when we left the house and stuff like that. So I made a whole massive list. You know, I was spat out and called a packy and told to go um, back home when I was going to my job interview when I was like a teenager. Um, so, so, but you know what? The majority of people on my LinkedIn are people from a white background. But the majority of people who commented or liked were people who weren't white. Yeah. So for me, I don't understand why and and I've read other people's posts as well that and there's been a few like white people obviously who commented and said this is bad but that's not enough because considering the proportion of people who are connected to me on LinkedIn are predominantly white mm-hmm. I didn't see that come through in 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 terms of um comforting me or supporting me that didn't come through so even then I, I posted another post after that on LinkedIn saying where are all the white people gone like you know no one's commenting even they didn't just like ignore so yeah. It, do you think, what is your definition first of racism? And then do you think that in terms of if you're white, they don't get it? Like they don't understand, like that he bought poppadom, like you just, you just said, you know, do you think that they don't get it because they haven't experienced it? They just don't get it. They, they don't get it. But I think one thing I've recognized and very sadly with a lot of my Caucasian friends as well is that they choose to ignore it simply because it's not an, a matter that affects them. Yeah. You know, it, because it doesn't affect their family members. You know, they've never experienced it. They, they, they literally want to ignore that there's something like this exists. They, they like one of my really, really good friends and it absolutely broke my heart because you know, this whole black lives matter movement mm. really did put a lot of things into perspective because I just thought to myself, you can be friends with somebody and you could have so much in common, but then they fail to acknowledge and understand that this is such a massive issue and that it affects you as a person. And when I was talking about Black Lives Matter and, you know, and how, you know, people of color always, you know, have got less opportunities when it comes to like jobs and things like that. His response to me was, well, jobs are equal for everybody and it's all down to your own hard work and so on. When I literally had to pull him to the side and say, we have to work probably twice as hard. Certainly from my modeling, for example, I've lost so many campaigns alumni to Caucasian models. Hmm. Why? Why does that happen all the time? Hmm. You know, same old campaigns are going to the same old models again and again and again. And I'm the only South Asian person um, who's in the industry, who's representing, but then brands are very fast to sort of, you know, turn diversity into a token thing and say, look, we're diverse. You know, we're really in right now when, you know, because this conversation's trending, look, we're doing our bit. Yeah. But, you just got a tan model in there, for example. It's actually, they use you in a way, well, not everyone, again, but you can be used just to, for them as a tool in terms of just to show and pr- so that they're proving that, look, they've got Asian models, so let's yeah. get this Asian mo- model and all that. But like you mentioned about your friend, I think this is the issue. I mean, there have been studies done on this and research where, where obviously it's proven that when they have sent CVs of people without the name yeah. and with the name, people, I think, was it Muslim names were the most where um where uh, in terms of um probability where they weren't called for interview so if you're if you're caucasian 90 percent of them were called if you're mm-hmm. black 80 percent or something like that i don't want to i don't want to say the statistics i can't remember them but i think it was 70 percent that if you're muslim if you've got a muslim name like muhammad or something then you're not called and it's exactly the same cv that they've sent 
The only thing they changed was the name. Nice. So, so for me, if people, people who deny it is because they don't experience it or, or maybe because they don't care, but it just saddens me as well because I feel they just don't get it. You yeah. know, they don't, they don't get it. And then I was thinking, but do I expect them to? So if I was white myself, how would I feel about this? You know, would I get it or would I also be like them? Because obviously we're all human beings, right? And, and, and it's not like some of them are doing it. It's like, it's like, it seems to be like a general thing that mm. they do generally tend to ignore. I say generally because there are obviously people who do support and they're quite active in supporting, mm. which I really appreciate. But there's not enough of them. They kind of ignore it. They don't even bother liking. Or maybe they think like, liking something is enough and commenting on it isn't something for them because they haven't experienced it. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it just saddens me when people don't acknowledge it and they, don't, they just don't get it. Or they keep saying, especially when I'm watching Jeremy Vine show or something like that, and they keep saying, oh yeah, but like the colonialism and all that happened many years ago, and can we move on now? And we shouldn't remove statues and stuff like that. And well, it's easy for someone, I would say if someone's white and they're saying, telling a black person, oh, forget about it, that would really piss me off. If, If a black woman said it, just let's forget about it, let's move on. I would have more respect for that because she's experienced it. But for someone who's white to say, let's move on, you are no one to say let's move on. it hasn't yeah. happened to you. So who yeah. are you to tell us to move on kind of thing? And I say us uh, because obviously I'm being brought up in an Asian family. I've heard that, you know, I, I know that people are still annoyed about what's happened maybe a hundred years ago. But the fact that people don't acknowledge that it's not okay is what is continuing to piss a lot of people up, yeah. like, off. Okay, cool. Um, so I'm conscious of the time and I don't want to keep you too long. And I want to make sure that we get to know a bit more about you. I've got a massive list of questions, but I'm going to condense these down. Okay to my top ones what are your three biggest achievements three biggest achievements um i would say definitely trying to make my name in the uh in the modeling field Mm. Uh, that was definitely one achievement that i'm extremely proud of secondly um with my uh magistrates um uh, position that i've achieved at such a young age i was only like 22 years old at the time um and the third achievement is still pending probably (laughs) Okay, cool. Fantastic. But I'm sure, well, you've got your business, right? Yes. How long have you done that for? Um, So it's very new, but obviously with the whole COVID thing, that's really struggled at the minute. So the reason why I started that is uh, I often remember when I used to go back to India, there used to be loads of plus size girls in particular. And, you know, and it's something that I've experienced here as well. So growing up as a child, for example, when I used to even want to buy my school shirts, I could Mm. never find my size. I used to actually wear men's school uh, shirts to school. Mm. and I cannot explain to you the embarrassment I used yeah. to feel um you know uh, how I would hide my tie so you couldn't yeah. see which side the buttons are on and so on um and I know what it feels like because obviously we all want to look good right we all want to feel yeah. great so our clothes make us feel that way so imagine that you can't even dress mm. in anything because there's nothing available yeah. so that's the reason why I started Girl Like Me in the UK um, plus size women have so many options when it comes to fashionable clothing now um, but in India, for example, it's still very much of an issue when there isn't. So yeah. Girl Like Me was started um, for basically women uh, in South Asian countries. And the plan was to obviously move to different countries. But I felt like they need it. So that's okay. why I started. That's fantastic. Good. Great job. So what have you sacrificed to get to where you are? And was it worth it? What have I sacrificed to get to where I am? Um, I don't really feel like I've sacrificed anything I've struggled um you know to try and make my mark to try and be heard um and to keep trying to fight against the odds instead of you know follow the sheep and be like everybody else so I'm accepted um what about relationships do you think um, you've sacrificed 
in that area potentially for your career or something or no, no? not really okay. yeah no not really I think um yeah I mean I've never I mean sacrifice is what I feel our parents have done for us to raise us you mm. know when I when I think of a sacrifice I think of you know what our mothers have done so yeah. when I look at that I don't feel like I've made any sacrifices in particular I've, I've struggled to get to where I have um but I haven't had to actually give something up okay so what do you wish you had known when you first started out I just wish that I had known that, you know what, at the end of the day, no matter what happens, you are not going to be able to satisfy every single person. Like, do not set out in life to please everybody. Hmm. Not everyone has good taste. Okay. So what advice would you give your 18-year-old self? Is it the same as what you've just said? Basically. And that, you know what, your, the key to your happiness is not in anyone else's pocket. It's in your hands. Fantastic. Okay, so what is the one thing you have failed at? One thing that I failed at? <laughs> a lot of things. My diet recently. <laughs> <laughs> That's allowed. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing that I failed at? Um, many things. Um, but you know, the beauty about it is, is that you don't accept that or you don't let that define you. Yeah. You keep pushing. You keep so how, do you deal with, how do you deal with failure? Um, I used to really, really struggle, but then mm. I've really come to like, for example, spirituality and religion is a very big part of my life. And I just come to realize that everything is within, you know, God's will yeah. at the end of the day. And you know, that's something that's just kept me going. If it's not happening right now, there's a reason why it's not happening because something bigger and better is waiting. Do you believe in the power of attraction? Definitely believe in the power of attraction. Yeah. And that's why it's really, really important that we have great self affirmations for ourselves and for what we want in life. Fantastic. So one regret you have had, one regret that I have had, um, you know, I often think about this, um, but I've just come to realize that nothing should be regretted mm. because if that didn't happen the way it did, I wouldn't be walking the path that I am. Yeah. So I've just come to realize again, it's all within, we say in Punjabi, it's all within Pana basically, it's all yeah. within the will. Okay, fantastic. So what is your biggest fear? My biggest fear is losing loved ones. Losing loved ones? Yeah. Yeah, I've got that fear as well, especially with kids. Yeah. Motherhood. Um, what was the last book you read? I'm really bad at reading. I literally <laughs> don't read. <laughs> you don't read? <laughs> I really don't read. I know it's really bad. I, I wish, I blame my mum for this. I wish that she had put this, um, you know, discipline in me to open books from a very young age. No, no one ever, ever did that. So Okay, so forget last book then. And any book that, what is your, your favourite book? Or you wouldn't even have a favourite book, okay. <laughs> you don't have a favourite book, I'm so bad, Lovna. That's all right. Who's your role model? Oh, God, again, I really struggle with this question as well. But, you know, again, I've come to realise a role model doesn't need to be somebody who's really famous that you take inspiration from. Sometimes we have to look at the people that are around us. Hmm. And I'm so blessed to say that there's so many males and females that are in my life, um, women more in particular, hmm. that all give me inspiration from one way or the other. So why are they not, you know, worthy of that credit as okay. well? If you can change one thing in the world, what would it be? This is like oh. Miss Universe questions. <laughs> Better win at the end of this. Um, <laughs> so one, one thing that I would change, I absolutely hate people who take advantage of someone who's of vulnerable people, I'd mm. say. Even if it's abuse, if it's, yeah, it, just abuse, I'd say. I can't handle it. Okay. Um, I was going to say, do you believe in destiny? Yes, I do. You do believe in destiny? Yeah. So, but when you say you believe in destiny, you still need to go out and... Achieve. Achieve it, yeah. Yeah. 
so you yeah okay cool so but so you believe in the power of attraction you believe in destiny but you do believe unless you're taking action you're not gonna get what may be yeah. in your destiny yeah basically so there's a plate of food in front of you you need to use your own hands to eat the food yeah it's a very known sort of yeah in our community but yeah i think some people think that the food is in front of them and it's in their destiny it's going to go in the belly it's not you need no, to still take action have hands <laughs> okay what is the meaning of life the meaning of life to feel content to feel content yeah okay fantastic describe yourself in three words fat fabulous and fantastic oh I like the the f's <laughs> okay what projects are you currently working on Oh, okay. So before COVID came and ruined everyone's life, um, I was actually through the process of shooting my first Punjabi film. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, tell us about that. Okay. So basically, uh, so excited that uh, finally um, Indian movies are going to start to recognize more plus size women in ma main lead roles instead mm -hmm. of having the, the token plus size woman in a comedy role so we can laugh at her. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shot my first Punjabi film. It's called Rabba Menu Mafkari. 75% um, of it's already shot now. It should have been out in May, but obviously then COVID happened. Um, so still need to go to India, shoot the second schedule. Um, so yeah, it's a really exciting story. Finally, wow. you see someone who's of a plus size, because uh, I think role models are really important, right? Because mm, so, yes. when I was growing up, I didn't have that role model. So if I don't know how to, if I don't see myself, how do I know how to be myself? That's exactly. what, I, what I always say. Um, so hopefully I'm hoping to change that mindset. So you were approached by them. Yep. So Fantastic. approached by them, um, which is crazy, through bloody Instagram. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and the director of the film was messaging me for months and I was just ignoring his message. I didn't even open it. You don't know who it is, yeah. You don't know who it is. I didn't open it. And then finally, he was persistent. He's like, I've got a script ready for you. We've been making the script for such a long time. We've had you in mind. So please, can you read it? And I was like, okay, maybe this guy might be real. He's not just a weirdo who's trying to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave his details to my management and then it just all took off from there. Do you get many weirdos messaging you? I have get all sorts. Um, you know, I get death threats. I get people saying that how mm. I should be raped. I get people messaging me um, explicit images sexual images of themselves i get all of that as well yeah yeah mm. um i get people asking me how much i charge per night mm. um, you know as a former sex worker um i get all sorts and i just think to myself it's not okay mm. and more so recently the more serious is, you know because normally you know when you're in the public eye you're told right just block it delete it doesn't matter forget it of course, 95% of the time I have been doing that, but more so recently, I've been getting some real serious threats where I've had no choice but to report it to the police. Yeah. So I'm taking it seriously now. I'm, I'm done with just blocking people and acting as if they can say what they want to without them having any consequences. It's yeah. against the law. We don't have to accept it. Yeah, they, they shouldn't be doing that. I get all that kind of stuff as well. And, um, and I, do, I do try ignoring it because I just got tired of replying or just telling or block even, you know, so I just end up blocking straight away. I can't be bothered to argue. It's yeah. some people like saying cover your legs this and that and blah 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 or i'm a wannabe celebrity that's why i'm showing my legs i'm like just now i'm showing my legs because i want to anyways is there anything i should have asked but i didn't no i think you've covered it really well <laughs> fantastic thank you i'm conscious of the time you know what thank you so much for coming on and talking about these issues and there's quite a lot that we've spoken about i wish you well for your movie and when it comes out i will definitely be watching it oh thank you lubna thank you for having me thank you thanks a lot Bye. Thanks. Hello all. This was an amazing conversation with Bishambar Das. We touched on so many topics. Um, do you know what? And it was amazing. So, but do you know, I'm having major memory problems. It's quite embarrassing because I was like saying 
prudent instead of prominent and stuff like that. But hopefully that you guys ignored all of that, right? It doesn't really matter what I said. I corrected myself in the end. But um, it, this was amazing. Hopefully we have raised awareness for those of you guys who are body shaming other people, or maybe you don't mean it. You need to realize the impact it's having on the other person. Please be careful, cautious when you say anything, make a comment to someone because you don't know how they're going to take it. You may, they may appear as if they're taking it okay and they're, they, it hasn't bothered them much, but you don't know what is going on in their mind after when they go back because that comment that you made, they may be repeating in their head over and over again, especially if you're a teenager. Right? At that age, is very sensitive when you're growing up and you're unsure of what's happening. Please be careful not to just make comments, especially to teenagers. You shouldn't be making comments to anyone anyway. Just concentrate on yourself, um, focus on yourself and think about the experiences that you've had when someone has body shamed you or said something negative or bad. You know, um, it can end up being quite bad for people. Everyone behaves and reacts differently. Some people, it can have a mental impact, a mental health issue um, for some people who you may make negative comments too. So I've had so many comments um, made to me since I was a child. A lot of those people have been family members and it's not okay. It takes a lot of time to build your confidence. And I guess it's, it, it's comforting when you hear other people talk about it um, and their experiences because then you realize actually I'm not the only one who this has happened to, but it's not okay to body shame. It's for, for those of you guys who are listening, who are maybe Muslim and um, some some people have commented, oh, you're showing your legs and all of that. I'm showing my legs because I want to. I do. I will do what I want. Please mind your own business kind of thing. If I'm showing my legs, doesn't make me a bad person. And if someone is covered in a burqa, it doesn't make them nice. You don't know what they're doing um, later on. So um, so I feel like people do feel, especially if you're a woman, that, that they can make a comment on you. They can tell you what to wear. They can tell you um, what you should be looking like. And it's not okay to do that. It's not okay to body shame. If you are a man listening to this, it's not okay to domestically abuse anyone. Um, and even obviously I'm not trying just now trying to say that it's all men always doing domestic abuse. It's not, it's not all men. And there are um, instances where females do can be um, domestically violent or abusive towards a partner. Whoever it is who's doing it, it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable to verbally, physically, emotionally abuse your partner or anyone close to you or anyone for that matter. And hopefully the experiences that we've shared, um, for those of you guys who have listened to this podcast from beginning to end, um, will make you realize that. Um, and please, if you're seeing this happening in your family, with your friends or whoever, please do speak up because the more we speak up about this stuff, people are going to realize it's not okay. Anyway, so I'm going off on one now because um, I get quite passionate about these issues, which is a reason why I've even bothered started, starting a podcast. Um, but before I go off on one, what I'd like to say is watch Bishamba's movie when it comes out. She's amazing. Do follow her on Instagram, social media, whatever um, you're on. Um, she is there. I think she's a great, amazing role model. She's going to, there's more amazing things to come from her. And you know what? I'm just going to sign off now. Thank you for listening to Candid with Lubna Farhan.